Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future in Review podcast. I'm Barrett Anderson, the COO of Future in Review. And for those of you who have never heard of Future in Review before, we run the annual FIRE conference, which The Economist has called the best technology conference in the world. Now, the other arm of our business, Strategic News Service, provides its subscribers with the most accurate source of information about the future of technology and the global economy. So if you enjoy these updates, you can sign up for the Strategic News Service Global Report using the link below this video. And I'm here today again with Mark Anderson, who is the CEO of Strategic News Service and the chair of Future and Review. And we are going to be talking about inflation. Specifically, we're going to be talking about the what we believe is potentially a misconceived misconception about the, the potential future duration of inflation and how it could reverse course quite quickly, given a few kind of key geopolitical movements. Um, in minutes, not in hours. In, in minutes, yeah. not years. Um, so, so Mark, tell you know, I think we are here to talk about specifically Russia and Putin and the role that Putin and Russia and Russia's alliance with China has caused in driving inflation, which we've talked about on this podcast before. Uh, but I think, you know, a lot of the conversation around the economy right now and inflation is operating under the assumption that this is a long-term thing. It's something that's going to take us a while to get out of. What is it that could make that happen much more quickly? Well, people on Wall Street and in colleges and in universities are used to the business cycle view. It's just like the way, you know, these long-term <laughs> these Slow, gradual yeah, waves. they got gradual. taught that in school and they believe it. And they're not used to a world where a single person could create inflation. But we have two single people who are doing just that. So um, first of all, to, to all of our viewers who are somehow relaxed into the idea of the University of Chicago School of Economics view, let it go. And start thinking that there are only two people who matter in this story. And they're called Putin and Xi. And if you, if you realize that, it helps, right? And then I guess, you know, to answer your question directly, you, you can't understand losing inflation if you don't understand how you got it. And we didn't get it from prices going up uh, at Sears and Roebuck or, you know, Walmart or that's not how it happened. So what really happened was when, when the new China was created, uh, the very first thing that that country decided to do under their new business model was the largest counterfeit hoax of all time. So what, what they did, and, and I think people probably know this when they reflect upon it, um, they, own, they built a foundation for their new economy of theft. Literally 100 billion people benefiting from theft. Right. So that's pretty well documented. Some of them more than others, but yes, keep going. Well, they all benefited, yeah, right. So the result of all this is <clears throat> you've got um, very cheap goods being put onto the world market. So that's deflationary. And specifically, you know, I think we should clarify for those who maybe have not watched our other, our other videos, but when we talk about theft in this way, I think what you're referring to is intellectual property theft. It's um, the only thing that drives the world economy. And China's role in stealing intellectual property from Western companies generally. Wholesale at every level. The most, most massive theft ring ever created. So that worked. And, and selling these things back to us through Walmart and others um, at a fraction of their price, half price or less. Mm -hmm. So all the jobs went away, all the manufacturing went away, all goes to China. 
and and they you know by the by, by the way are a highly the most highly deflationary presence probably in the history of the world economy through doing that but at the same time by locking the value of their fake economy their fake uh, currency the renminbi which should be worth nothing to the to the dollar they became the greatest manipulators of currency value in the history of the world and the this is a really interesting attack and that's exactly what it was because by locking to the dollar the dollar gets hurt so the whole world economy um, is in, a, in an inflationary mode at the same time both deflation and inflation so you're printing buckets of money for 30 years it's cheap it's just it's just it's fake it's counterfeit you're locking it to the world's reserve currency what happens it's a really interesting move um, in war as you probably know Barrett the very first step in war, going all the way back to the 1700s, is when you go to war with your enemy, you print counterfeit of their currency to harm them. You harm their purchasing power. And so this is exactly what China did. It's a perfect move. But we didn't understand it. We knew they were manipulating the currency. We didn't have the guts to declare it publicly. We knew it was happening. And it happened for decades. So you've got these paired actions of deflation and inflation at the same time. That was step one. All right. So step one, they are printing a lot of money. The U.S. and, and Europe respond in kind by printing more money during. Well, for, there are two steps there. The central <laughs> banks freaked out mm -hmm. in the West and all the interest rates go to zero. That was interesting. Mm -hmm. Zero. Instead of it was 18 percent back in the 80s. Now it's zero. So they're trying to fight China using interest rates. And that didn't work very well. Then what you said is true. Then they start printing their own crazy money. And that was called qualitative easing. And so we all did qualitative QE, right? Mm -hmm. We all did that for 10 or so years. That was nutty. So everyone became a, a, a money cheapener, trying to fight the Chinese influence of this. And then came COVID. And that came from China. And that's an interesting story on a different podcast. But uh, the effect of COVID can't be overstated in terms of decreasing the productivity worldwide of the, of each economy in every country. Right. And the effect of that is- Supply chain disruptions that continue to this day. Yes. So two things happened, what you just said and what I just said. So worldwide, every country suddenly is in this crazy situation where their productivity is dropping like a rocket. Inflation goes up from that. And then, oh, here's another little present from China. Instead of the paired deflation and inflation, you have to take half the pair away thanks to COVID and there's zero COVID policy. So suddenly those supply chains you just mentioned are cut. Right. Now all you have left is, drum roll, inflation. Inflation, yay, here we are today. Right. Then Russia attacks Ukraine. And while that other stuff's happening, Putin and Saudi Arabia intentionally as OPEC plus lower the production of oil to right. increase the price. And in the U.S. this happened as well. Absolutely. It was, it was not just in, in OPEC, but it but this was, you know, in, in Congress. Yes. There was a vote against right. fixing or against lowering costs on energy. So this happened in the United States too. Right. Well, we, there are a lot of things going on all at once and they, they cross paths, right? Yes. So, but the but, end result was higher cost of energy. Mm -hmm. Higher cost of food. Ukraine was yes. kind of the breadbasket of the, you know, Europe. Yes. And so, so inflation worldwide 
no one would argue has been led by those two things, right? Food right. and energy. And if you want to break it down to one thing, it's energy because food costs go up and energy costs go up. So you literally have one thing. And, and the Saudi family needs $110 a barrel to pay their debts and their ongoing cost of living. And, and Putin needs the same kind of pricing for his war. So we've, we've talked now about why we're experiencing so much inflation, which we have covered previously to some of this, at least. Now we've listed what, all the parts of it. What would need to happen currently for that to reverse course? And why, like, why, I'm, I'm, what, what could possibly go on in the world at large that might cause that to change? Yeah. Well, for me, it was, I was in New York City a couple of days ago and I woke up in the morning and I saw this thing where Kherson's gonna fall to the Ukrainians. And I thought, holy moly, now here we go. So, you know, I don't know which, which island in the Caribbean Putin thinks he's gonna go to that'll be far enough away. Um, one of our staff suggested China, and I think that was pretty brilliant. He probably has to go to China to be protected. Mm -hmm. But um, the loss of the capital, the only capital that they held, and the ongoing losses um, in that region right now that are happening as we speak, combined with what you hear from people who are Russian people, who may be free to speak because they've fled Russia. They've left, yes, which is you a know, large and, number of them. And you know, combined with all the oligarchs that I can think of, essentially running out of Russia, sometimes changing their citizenship in real time. This is an interesting moment for Putin. And at a time where folks who were trained, you know, in economics probably think this is going to be a multi-year long story, the question I would pose is, if Putin disappeared on Monday morning next week at nine o'clock, what would the price of oil be at noon? And the answer is, a lot less. What would it be at nine o'clock on Tuesday? A lot less again. Mm -hmm. So uh, I do think that the primary cause at the moment of all this could, you know, by being removed, taken off the chessboard, could could take us from a hundred bucks back down to fifty bucks, and that mm -hmm. would have a dramatic instant effect on not only food pricing which always takes a while to come down, but inflation worldwide. Now, you're assuming right now that if Putin himself is removed in some way, he disappears. Uh, or he disappears, disappears, that those who step into his shoes yes. will behave differently than he is right now. I, I believe but, that the top but, reason he's going to be disappeared but, is because of the war. But yeah, let me let me play devil's advocate for, for a second sure. here. Because Russian, all of, maybe not all of the Russian oligarchs, but as we all know, the Russian oligarchy is built on oil prices and oil profits. And they're making a lot of money right now. Yes, that's true. But they think, in general, I think they understand the folly of Putin, of this war. So um, I don't believe they will continue the war. I think they will go back to wanting to pump that, that, that fuel throughout Europe. They're not losing their businesses by getting rid of Putin, but they are stabilizing their nation. They don't see the future, and I don't either. I can't tell you right now. I'm pretty good at predicting. I don't see any future for Russia today. I don't see anything. It's black. So the sooner you get rid of that guy and you start you know, rebuilding pipelines 
regaining stability in your own country, regaining stability throughout Eastern and, and Western Europe, um, and, and reestablish yourselves as legitimate players on the global, global economic stage, if, if that's what the oligarchs want, they will make more money in the long term. And so, what about China? Interesting. China's not a player in anything I just said. But, Except they've got a little island for Putin somewhere. The the cost, the cost, the cause and the cost of inflation are driven by Chinese economic behavior. Yeah, I've got and one so, word for you: disengagement. We're trying to get, as as you know, Barrett, at here at SNS, we're about to publish a book called Disengagement. We've been promoting disengagement for years now, with all of the details of how and why to do it. And the faster it happens, it's underway now. We call friendshoring, right? The faster it happens, the less locked in we are to the insidious war, economic warfare of counterfeiting our own money by locking into our money with a fake currency. And I'll add one little thing, which is really kind of fun to think about. What would the renminbi be worth in three years if we disengaged? I'll make a prediction. Nothing. For them, it would be like the worst moments in German currency pre-World War II. So let's do it. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, with that, I think we have our work cut out for us. We do. Uh, if you are interested in learning more about how the West and other countries around the world should think about or could think about disengaging from China, uh, that book will be forthcoming uh, in the next few weeks, I believe. Yep. Um, and uh, it will outline a wide range of ways that you can protect your company or your country or your industry from economic warfare and manipulations from a sure. foreign entity. Absolutely. So we hope you'll check it out. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Brett. Later.